Thank you for taking the time to listen to this sermon from Seekers Christian Fellowship. We believe that God's Word completes the believer, making them fully equipped men and women of God, ready for every good work. It is our prayer that through this message, you're challenged by the Word of God, built up in love for God and one another, conforming to the image of Jesus Christ. Well, friends, uh, this morning we have peeled back the commercial layers of Christmas to try to get to the very heart, the very center of this season. And what do we find there but the humble Christ, the humble Christ. You know, the dictionary defines um, humility this way. Humility is having a modest or low view of your own importance. Having a modest or low view of your own importance. And needless to say, this is not a trait that the world we live in uh, values um, much, much at all. And why is that? Why does humility not get the parade in our streets? No one's raising banners with humility. Why? Well, can I suggest that perhaps it is because we have come to see this trait, this trait of humility as weakness, weakness, that to succeed in your life, your resume must be the opposite of humble. It must glow with pride. It must prove that you are more significant than others. For it is the strong and the proud who are exalted in our world, not the humble. So it should come as no surprise then when when many people hear the Christmas story or when they hear about Jesus Christ, they are kind of left unimpressed. A baby born in poverty, a child asking questions, a, a man in his 30s being beaten up and then killed, and and you're asking me to believe that this is the Son of God who, who fashioned the universe. You see the problem, don't you? Humility is not at all what our world expects of God. It's not at all what they expect of God. But friends, if you are willing to lay aside those assumptions and your preconceived expectations of who you think God ought to be, um, in the next few moments that we have left, I hope to show you who He says He is. I hope to show you that the humility of Christ, which we've heard about and we've sung about this morning and we've witnessed on this stage, that humility was by no means weakness, but rather it was the very means of His exaltation. His exaltation. And it's the example we are to follow today as the church. You know, one of the earliest Christian hymns that, were, that was ever sung in the church is found in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 11. It's, it's a hymn, it, if, if you will, it's a carol. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's a carol because it speaks of the birth of Jesus, um, what theologians call the incarnation, when God became man. And the Apostle Paul begins this hymn, this song, this way, in verse 5 to 7. 
He tells the church in Philippi, it's going to come up on the screen. Our brother Andrew will bring it up. Thank you. It says in verse 5, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So it begins with the command. He's telling you, have this kind of thinking among yourselves, which was the mind of Christ Jesus. And then he goes on to tell us about Christ. And look what he says in verse 6. He says, Christ Jesus who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. You see, to understand the significance of this lowly, uh, humble uh, manger, we must first look up to see the heights from which Christ came down. The significance of the lowly manger is lost if we don't look up and first see from where Christ came. And so Paul begins in verse 6 by reminding us who Jesus really is. And who is he, church? Look at verse 6. He says, Jesus is God. He says, who was in the form of God. That word form in the Greek, it's, it's morphe. It, it means that Jesus was truly and fully God. It means that in his essence, his, 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 in his being was the unchanging, unalterable essence of God. That's who Jesus is. Hebrews 1 verse 3 says it this way. It says, Jesus is the exact imprint of God's nature. The verse was read earlier, and we're going to be studying this in 2022 when we start our series in the Gospel of John. But the Gospel of John begins this way. In the beginning was the Word, Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Jesus is God. That's where we begin, meaning he possessed all the rights, all the privileges, all the honors of deity from eternity past. He is the only son equal with God in every possible way, and yet, what does verse 6 tell us? He did not count equality with God, which means he didn't count um, his rightful position as a thing to be grasped, a thing to be seized, a thing to cling on to. I want to do a thought experiment with you this morning. Can you imagine, you don't have to close your eyes, if you want to, you can close your eyes, but um, imagine for a minute that you are equal to God. Okay, for some of you, it may not be as hard as others, but um, imagine you are equal to God, okay, and you, you possess all the rights that God has. And now I want you to imagine willingly laying down those rights, giving them up. And if you're having a hard time imagining that, that's because um, isn't this what we have all been grasping for? I mean, I, to be equal to God and to have His rights is what most of us have been trying to do our whole lives. <laughs> What has humanity been pursuing from the very beginning but to be equal to God, to be God over our lives, to sit on the throne and to, to call the shots and, and, and to make decisions and, 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 and to do whatever we please and to answer 
to no one. That is humanity. What do you think Adam and Eve were, 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 were reaching for when they reached for that forbidden fruit? They were grasping to be like God, weren't they? Is that not the very thing the devil has been seeking from the beginning? What has the devil been seeking? What has he been trying to seize? The thing which has always and only belonged to Jesus, equality with God. But notice the humble Christ. What does he do? Verse 7, the humble Christ, it says, he emptied himself. He emptied himself. Now, I need to be careful here because... um, uh, some people get confused and they okay, does that mean Jesus stopped being God when he was born as a human? And the answer is no, okay? We need to be clear. Jesus did not give up his divine nature when he was born and he was in the incarnation as a baby. He didn't lose divinity. He added humanity. Okay, it's not a mixture. It's not like half God, half man. That's not what it is. It's, it's fully God now become fully God and fully man. So he didn't empty himself of his divinity. So what did he empty himself of? That's the question. In verse 7 it says he emptied himself. So what does Paul mean? He emptied himself of his rights, of his privileges, of his status as the Son of God, of his glory. Think about that. His honor that he is due, the riches of heaven, The worship of heaven. He selflessly releases all of these things in order to condescend, to come down and take the form of a servant. That word servant actually means slave. Being born in the likeness of man, born as a manger, as a baby in a manger. I love that song that was sung earlier by the choir. I don't know if you guys um, uh, will appreciate all the lyrics today, but... Um, it's called, How Low Was Our Redeemer Brought? And if that sounds familiar, it's, it's actually a line from um, a devotion by Charles Spurgeon. He has a devotional called Every uh, uh, Morning and Evening. And one of those devotionals is, called how, uh, is about how low was our Redeemer brought, the humility of Christ. And so this week, I just ask you to reflect on these lyrics. Just hear what, because it's focusing on the humility of Christ. The lyrics said, The King who held the stars lay helpless in a maiden's arms. Think about that. He held the stars, and now he is being held by Mary. Uh, Would stumble as he learned to walk on the ground he made. I'm I'm, I'm a recent father, so this is not too far. I've seen when my son was stumbling as he learned to walk, but can you imagine Jesus Stumbling as he learned to walk on the ground which he himself had made. The one the angels bowed before. Jesus was the theme of heaven's praises. Angels bowed before him and now that one would kneel to wash our feet. That's the reading you heard earlier by our sister Charity. He would kneel to wash our feet. I just want you to reflect on what the incarnation really meant for Jesus. Like what he had to do in order to come as a man. He had to veil his glory. He had to confine his presence to this to to, to a body. He had to limit his knowledge. You know he's all-knowing. 
He knows everything. He's omniscient. He knows everything. And yet he chooses to willing, willingly chooses to limit that knowledge, to limit his power. He's all-powerful. We just read it. He, he created the universe. Nothing was made without him. And here he, he surrenders. This is humility, church. Or perhaps we may say this is humiliation. This is the humiliation of Christ. Paul continues in verse 8. He says, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. As I was studying this, this text, um, one of the commentators pointed out, you know, most people um, will use privileges to distance themselves from others. Just think about that for a moment, right? Like if you have privileges, usually we use our privileges to distance ourselves from other people. Isn't that what we do? It is, of course. So when Jesus Christ, who is equal to God and has every privilege you could imagine, when he decides to relinquish all of that, to not separate himself from us, to come to us, when he decides to do that, you have to ask the question, why? Like, why would he have to do that? To, 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 why the humiliation to share our humanity? Well, in verse 8, Paul tells us the reason. If you, if you read it carefully, it was so that Jesus could do something that no human could ever do, has ever done since the fall. And what is that? To be obedient. To be completely obedient to God and to His Word, to the point of death, which means He lived His life completely free of disobedience, which can be said of none of us and no one, no one else. Free of what the Bible calls sin, and His obedience doesn't stop at the point of, uh, until the point of death, and it says even death on a cross. Why does it say even death on a cross? Because most of you know this, but the cross um, was the most humiliating, uh, degrading, and excruciating way to die. It was basically a public spectacle of shame. That's what the cross was. And, and I know you know this, right? Most of you, you you've, you've been in church, you've come on Good Friday, you've come on Easter Sunday, so you know the scenes of the, of the cross, you know those scenes, but I'm asking you this morning to see them differently. In light of what we're learning about the humility of Jesus, the incarnation, what He left behind to, 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 to be here with us, I want you to see the cross differently. Do you, do you realize, in light of what we've learned that the God who clothes the lilies of the field had his clothes stripped from him. Do you realize that? Do you recognize, as that video showed us, the, 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 the video skit, that, that if God is the source of all strength, which we believe he's the source of all strength, if that's the case, what does that mean? It means he's the one who strengthened the hands that nailed him to a cross. Do you understand that the Son of God had such authority? This is what the Bible tells us. He had authority to summon legions of angels at a moment's notice to his defense. Did you know that? 
That's the authority of Jesus Christ. He could have summoned angels to defend him at any moment. And what did he choose to do with his authority instead? To lay down his life. He used his authority to say, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. This is the heart of the humble Christ. This is the one who renounced his resume. And in obedience, he came down to live the sinless life that none of us could have so that he could die the sin-deserving death that all of us should have. So as I bring this um, to a close, there are two um, applications I'd like to offer, okay? One for the, those of you who are believers and one for those of you who are not. For the believers... If you go back to verse 5 for a moment, uh, thanks, Father, you'll notice this whole hymn began with Paul saying what? Have this mind among yourselves. So all the things we've talked about, all the, the, the humility and the humiliation of Jesus Christ, how far he went, Paul is saying, have this mind among yourselves. He's speaking to the church. He's speaking to the church, us. So, so, the, so why, do we need the, why do we need to have that kind of humility? And, and here's the reason. Because the key, humility is the key to our unity. Humility is the key to our unity. And this is so important. If you, if you just look a few verses earlier, uh, Andy, in verse 1, 1 and 2, I want you to see this, okay? Paul says... And he's talking to Christians, and you know it because of how he describes us in verse 1. He says, if there's any encouragement in Christ, okay, he's speaking to Christians. Who, who are encouraged in Christ? It's Christians. If there is any comfort from the love of God, if there's any participation in the Holy Spirit, if you have experienced any affection or sympathy, he says in verse 2, complete my joy by being of the same mind, by, by, by having the same love. By being in full accord and of one mind. What is he saying? He's saying be united. He's saying, church, you need to be united and humility is, is the way. Um, during such a divisive and fractured time in our world, can't you see that? On the news, in our society, how divide, divided people are over all kinds of things. In that background, the Bible tells the church, be united. And it also tells us, that self-centered pride will never accomplish unity. If we are proud and self-centered, selfish people, it will never accomplish unity. Because why? Look at verse 3. He says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Conceit is having excessive pride in yourself. He says, do nothing from those, from those motives. Selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Count others. Look, looking not only, sorry, verse 4, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but to the interests of others. Church, I know that this is not what the world teaches, right? We talked about what you need to put on your resume, right, to get a job in this, in this world. This is not what the world will tell you to do, right? Because for them, all of that, what we're talking about today is weakness. It's foolishness. But to you and I, 
how humble we are will determine the strength of our unity. That's what Paul says. How humble we choose to be. How much you choose to lay down your ambitions and, and, and lay down your interests and, and look around you. Look around and count. The, these, are your, these brothers and sisters, count them more significant than yourself. Why? Because isn't that what Jesus did? Isn't that what the humble Christ did? This is the way of our Savior. So that's my appeal to the believers and, 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 and finally to the unbelievers. You're listening this morning, maybe you're here, you're invited, or you've been attending church, but you don't really believe all this, or you're watching from home. To you, I want to show you the end of the hymn, okay, the chorus, right? I, we've been looking through a hymn, but at the very end, the chorus of it, if you will, I want to tell you what came of the humili hu humility and humiliation of Jesus. Look at this in verse 9. Go ahead, uh, Andy. Look what came. Paul says, therefore, God has highly exalted him, Jesus, bestowing on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven, earth, under the earth, and every tongue is going to confess, Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. So this, friends, is the exaltation of Christ, of the humble Christ. And I hope you caught that word at the beginning of verse 9. At the beginning, what was the word at the beginning of verse 9? It was therefore, Right? What does therefore mean? Therefore means, in light of everything I've said so far, therefore, here's the outcome. So what is he saying? Precisely because of the humility and the humiliation of Jesus, because of that, God has highly exalted him. God has exalted him. And that's what we celebrate in Easter. The exaltation, right? Beginning with his resurrection from the dead to his pre-incarnate glory and bestowing on him the title Lord. That name Lord, and here, this is where I'll close, okay? Um, the name Lord means ruler, uh, master, uh, sovereign one, the one to whom every knee is going to bow, right? To the glory of God. Now, why does this matter to you if you're a non-Christian? I remember when I was younger, sitting in church just like this, and um, the preacher would come up to the front and, and they'd say something like, make Jesus Lord of your life. Have you heard that before, anyone? You can be honest. Okay, if I admit it, I, I've, I've said that too, right, in, in sermons and in, in, in youth talks. And, and it's well-meaning, right? It's, it's, it's saying, make Jesus Lord of your life. It means submit to Him, right? Submit yourself to Him as your Lord, as your Master. But what do we realize here in verse 9? Paul is telling us that it's not you or me who make Jesus Lord, is it? No, 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 we have it backwards. God made him Lord, right? We, we don't make Jesus Lord, he is Lord. You see the difference? 
It doesn't matter what you think. He is Lord. That's what this text is saying. In fact, it kind of unites all of humanity, doesn't it? Because what's the difference between a Christian and non-Christian? Well, actually, it's hard to say here because it says every tongue is going to confess this truth, that Jesus is Lord. So what's the difference then? What's the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian? Well, I want to tell you, some of us, those of us who are Christians today, some of us will confess that statement, Jesus Christ is Lord. Some of us will confess it willingly. We'll confess it gladly as we enjoy um, the presence of God forever. Some of us will. But others will confess it still, but they'll do so unwillingly. They'll do so unwillingly with weeping and gnashing of teeth where their knees will fail to keep them upright, they will fall as they bow. Their tongues, they won't be able to help it. Their tongues would not, cannot help but acknowledge this truth. So I'm not here this morning to invite you to make Jesus Lord of your life. I'm not. Because the humble Christ, He is the exalted Lord of all. I don't need to tell you to make Him Lord. But today, as Romans 10 verse 9 tells us, if you will willingly confess that Jesus is Lord, if you will believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you can be saved. You can be, you will be saved. You can be united to the church which Jesus died to save. Your life can change. Your whole purpose can change. Your way of life can change because now you will be following His humble path to enjoy the glory of God forever. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come as we close. What a wonderful morning we've had, right? Um, just, just beautiful, especially to have our Kenmere Baptist Church family here. It's such a blessing to be together. And... Uh, Really, the truth is we have seen these traits exemplified in you all, the humility and the love. So as we look ahead to this Christmas week, here's what I want to leave you with. May the humble Christ dwell in your hearts and minds. Let his example unify us as believers and let his exaltation and his sovereign grace save those of us those of you who are not. So let's pray as we close. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for all the ways in which your humility was depicted, whether through readings or through song or through skit or through, through the word, preaching of the word. Um, oh, Lord, um, now we have come to a place where just as you kneeled, to wash the disciples' feet, we, our knees, um, shall bow. Every knee will bow. <laughs> and so today, Father, there is a choice before us not to make you Lord because you are the Lord, but there is a choice before us as to whether or not we will confess that statement willingly with joy in our hearts. 
or if we will do so um, begrudgingly, unwillingly, with hatred for eternity. So God, I just pray for each and every person here um, that they would not leave um, with any disturbance in their mind, that they would settle this today, settle their state before you today. And Lord, I just pray for even the church. Lord, I, I, this is your word to us. We need to be united. And it's not through speaking louder at each other or, or defending our opinions or a difference. No, it, it, it's through humility, counting each other more significant. So help us, O oh God, to do so as we look to the example, the supreme example of Jesus Christ, the humble one. So we thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.